Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek for the voyage home one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That would make me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Hello, Chris. Hey, Dave. Happy Friday. It is Friday. Oh, yeah. So, here on this Friday, we've moved on to minute number nine. Number nine. And this minute starts with Mr. Scott making a Klingon joke <laughs> and ends with the computer testing Spock's 3D chess skills. Yes. I do dig that computer. Mm. Um, all right. Let's dive in. So let's dive into this minute. Okay. So they're still on Vulcan. Yep. And uh, he's dismissed. Kirk has dismissed everyone. Mr. Scott, you know, continues his, his thought and says, Give me one more day, sir. Damage control is easy. Reading Klingon, that's hard. Although that's a worst Scottish accent I think I've ever could have done. I think you drifted into the Beatles there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. Yeah. Uh, reading Klingon, that's hard. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, I would, too. I know. I, I still haven't figured it out. Um, yeah. But I mean, have they have they been fixing this for three months? So that's that was like my first question. Like they've been, as we've been talking about, they've been exiled on this planet for three months. And um, what have they been doing? <laughs> How much damage? So obviously, we know that the ship did take damage, right? Because they did have a battle with Kirk mm-hmm. when the Enterprise shows up. There was some back and forth, and um, you know, there there was. So, yeah, so they damaged. So does it take three months to repair a ship? Uh, I would assume. Is, it, is this just a um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Is this just a for, – for this particular ship? I mean, obviously, each vehicle takes different amount of time and stuff like that, but – Yeah, and I would – when you think um... – yeah, I would think, uh, you know, they get they get access to all these Vulcans, and I think Vulcans would be pretty smart, wouldn't right. they? Be uh, be able to help speed things along. But I would again, think so. Yeah. So, uh, I think this joke is, you know, it's pretty it's funny, right? It's, I, I chuckled. Yeah. Uh, that would have fit better at the beginning of the repair, right? Yeah. Um, I would think at this point <clears throat> they've got labels on everything, right? In English. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch this button, right? Yeah. This this start the engines um so yeah it's a little uh a little late in the game we're making that joke i think so i'm gonna skip to the end of the end of the dialogue between mccoy and so why don't we why don't we get there we just we so, just started you know we just started so uh, mccoy <laughs> says <clears throat> so i have a question there's gonna be a question here so i'm just gonna get through the dialogue here go uh, so McCoy says, you know, I think they send a ship. It's bad enough to be court-martialed, spend the rest of our lives mining borite, but to go home in the Klingon flea trap. That's actually 
my question. And Kirk responds with, we could learn a thing true from this flea trap. It's got a cloaking device that costs us a lot. Mm -hmm. So my big question was, why not just leave the stinking ship here and let the Vulcans look at it and pass along the information and then just give us a different ship and we'll go back? Mm. They Vulcans have to have ship. We know that they're warp capable. Yep. They don't so, have cloaking technology, right? No. So... Yeah, this is a bit of a coup, right? They've got a... Yeah. So they're taking the ship. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that the Vulcans don't want it to look at, to examine. Mm-hmm. They're intellectual. They're curious. They want to know the information. Like, why would they not want to have that information? Uh, agreed. Uh, so hmm. I agree with McCoy here, thinking that, A, they could have sent a ship, or B, borrowed a ship from the Vulcans they got to have one lying around. There's got to be a ship somewhere in the sector. Well, maybe Sarek is on it, right? We, we know he's constantly going back oh, and forth right. between Vulcan and Earth. Maybe he's got the one and only ship. One and only ship. Right. Um, I had a note. I want to know what a Klingon flea looks like. <laughs> there wasn't anything on memory alpha for yeah. that. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> Um, uh, I did. I did look up uh, borite. Yep. Um, I I thought that might be a real thing, um, but it is not. Sadly, it is borite is simply a substance that's sometimes mined by Federation prisoners. <laughs> You'd almost think that they would write a whole movie about them going to a planet to mine things. <laughs> I feel like you keep. As prisoners, like I just that idea just keeps coming back and back about being a prisoner, mining, escaping. I mean, it just it all just seems logical. It seems to be foreshadowing, which I think is what you like to uh, maybe like to say. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, and sadly, no, there's no Klingon flea reference on Memory Alpha. No, no. But uh, it's really it does have a flea entry, but it just refers to the insect commonly found on Earth. Oh, mm. I'm just picturing a you know a flea with a weapon and a beard. <laughs> That's your Klingon flea. Um, Very pronounced forehead. No, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that's a I think that you know this this cloaking device. I think you, you've thrown me a bit on this whole thing because wouldn't this like turn the tide of you know uh, if, if they well I guess you know I don't recall the ultimate fate of the bird of prey at the end of the movie um, it's been a while um, right you know so if it was salvageable or if it was damaged in the trip or whatnot um, no because it was functioning it was functioning on earth the cloaking device is functioning yeah uh, yeah so we know that we know that the Federation does not use cloaking devices. Mm-hmm. We know that that is a thing, and it's because of the 2311 Treaty of Algeron that they, that they cannot use cloaking devices, or that they that they prohibit the development or use of cloaking devices. They voluntarily <clears throat> did that. I believe so. Oh, okay. So it's, um, so, it's so this is this is a this is an arm, uh, armistice uh, no no that the Klingons are still using. Well, not just them. I mean, the Romulans use it as well. All right. So, well, the 
neither the Klingons or the Romulans are part of the Federation yet. Right. So right. Um, but it's too bad. I'm a, again. I go back to the thing. Like if they're not going to use it, and they purely want it for scientific. Obviously, they want to use it so they know how it works and how better to defeat it. So we know we get that. But I would still annoyed that the Vulcans I don't know why I'm annoyed I, I just feel like it's a perfect <laughs> opportunity for the Vulcans to get that information I, I completely agree I think it's I think uh, I think we, there's a missed opportunity here right that it could that could have changed the the course of future movies and mm. next generation and you know all you know all future Star Trek uh, right series and whatnot um, okay let's hang on to that one because I could like I said I'm trying to remember the the very end of the film. Um, what happens? Hmm. Uh, McCoy's a bit of a, uh, I guess moving on. McCoy says they wish we could cloak the stench. Another, <laughs> another Klingon joke. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I like that one better than the, uh, than the, the Scotty joke. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's being, uh, it's just being really mean there, or if it really does smell. And uh, God, it can. What could it smell like? But can't they just leave the door open and air it out? Well, it smells anything like my 14-year-old son's room. <laughs> I can imagine they want to keep the door open. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a note uh, when we were talking about the matte painting uh, last minute, how good it looked and everything, and uh, mm. you know the landing gear was out and. And, uh, you know, just look great. And uh, you get to see the landing gear in this minute, which I was, I was, uh, I'm very happy about because it's just really cool looking and it looks, it looks great here. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I have, I never have any problem with things that are smoking and steaming in science fiction. Do you? It like, it always, just, no. even though I have no idea why it would be smoking or steaming, what reason it would be. Right. Uh, uh, it always works. Oh, it enhances. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say they definitely um, they up their game in terms of uh, set design from Search for Spock, for sure. Uh, and again, this is just still on, like I said, on the back lot, right? Yep. Um, you can see in this minute as, as Kirk and McCoy are walking, you know, kind of walking almost around the bounty. Yep. Um, you get to see some of the uh, uh, you know background paintings. Yep. of Vulcan and you know mountains out in the distance and you know those are just clearly just that paintings but um, again harkens back to the original series you know just it just works um, but yeah it does it looks really cool there's all sorts of right. interesting things like all this all this all these uh, suitcases and crates and uh, yeah it's cool I want to see more like I want them to keep walking around I want to see the whole thing that would have been a cool shot yeah if they had done, you know, kind of a Tarantino style one camera shot of them yeah. walking all the way around, that would have been a cool shot. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, anything else on McCoy and the bounty and before we move nope. on? Nope. All right. So we see uh, Kirk looking up in the mountains and seeing Spock standing there and some kind of Vulcan bird. <laughs> It's funny that you say that because I'm thinking I'm thinking the same thing because um, I'm like, what kind of birds are on Vulcan? <laughs> uh, 
I, I assume it wasn't it, like it wasn't like just a seagull that got in the shot. I'm assuming it's supposed to be. <laughs> It's a special effect, and it's supposed to be some kind of native bird to Vulcan. I didn't. Is it a special effect? Because I thought it was just like a real bird that happened to be flying across wherever they are, <laughs> and it just happened to get on. Just get in the shot. Just get in the shot. Like uh, there's a bird flying by. Realism. Go with it. <laughs> but I mean, it's not like I mean they they could have said cut and then waited a couple of seconds and done the shot again. I mean, he's he's just standing there. <laughs> It's not like a complicated choreograph right. thing. Um, uh, you, you know, googling Vulcan bird, you don't get to Star Trek. You get to like you know all sorts of real birds on Earth. So, yep. um, so I don't know what kind of bird that is. <laughs> we'll never know. Well, maybe someone knows on. Uh, <clears throat> maybe someone knows in uh, a listener federation. Sure. And can school us. They will. I'm sure they will. Which we appreciate. I'm sure it's a bird of prey of some kind. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, all right. So segue into uh, uh, presumably inside Mount Silea. Yeah, I don't know where where this is. It's pretty cool, though. Uh, it's a cool, yeah, cool room. Cool chamber. Chamber. Got some some funky Vulcan art. Yep. Um, which, you know, from... Uh, not that I'm an expert in Vulcan art, but it all works for me. It all looks like it belongs there. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Spock walks up to the uh, the the testing computer. Mm. I guess that's what you call it. Sure. Sure. Um. What do you think? What, what do we think of the testing computer? Um, pretty basic, but I mean, I think for the time, maybe all they could do. I guess I don't know. Um, I think I probably thought when we first saw this, like, oh my god, that's so cool! He's got three computers, and they're asking them all questions simultaneously. Like, that's such a cool idea to test. Like, and it shows how we've been saying, like, how intellectual they are, and how they process information and how smart Spock is and how he knows all this information. Like three computers are asking him questions all at the same time and he's answering them. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? It's so Vulcan, right? <clears throat> Don't they carry this forward? Isn't this, uh, what does this carry forward into? Is it in the reboot? Into the reboot. It's when they're in those like sort of half spheres. Yeah. And like, they just, that is a much better interpretation. I really love that. Like you see the, the Vulcans like walking through and they're all like in these like pits yep. and everything's around like it's 360 so they can just go around and look. And I, and I really love that interpretation of this particular scene um, with the questions and the, and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Big yeah. fan of that. Yeah. But this, but yeah, I guess we jumped ahead, but uh, um, I, I do, I do like this too. I think, you know, just uh, the fact that he can, He's expected to and can answer three different questions on three completely different subjects. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty cool. There's some I get some I get some tidbits on it. Um, tidbits. Tidbits. Um, so uh, the, the 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 kind of the user interface design and the questions. This was all mm. uh, kind of collaboratively done uh, by Michael Akuda. 
um, mm-hmm. who we've kind of, I think we mentioned once already, but he, his name is yep. going to keep coming up more and more as we go forward in, in the Star Trek films and stuff. He, he ends up, uh, this is, this, this film is kind of his start where he gets, he's responsible for a lot of the graphic design. He designed all the interfaces in the next generation, but, um, so he's he's kind of like I don't even want like the father of the you know the Star Trek look and feel that we've come to know and this is the beginning mm-hmm. of it in this in this film. Um, but what was interesting to me on this one is that uh, he did this collaboratively with Kirk Thatcher. Um, Kirk mm. Thatcher is uh, famously, infamously the he plays the punk on the bus yep. later in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also I think a production assistant, so he he had his hands in a bunch of stuff. Um, but they worked on this together and came up with the questions. Um, and, uh, and Kirk Thatcher is actually the voice of the computer. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. I didn't know that. Um, but he wrote Kirk, uh, Kirk also wrote all the questions. Um, so speaking of the questions, what do we got? Uh, who's the, uh, oh, Taplana Hoth, the matron yep. of Vulcan philosophy. Yep, that's a new one for us, right? We haven't heard Tapana Hoth's name. Nope. Um, Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> that, that actually, that correct, uh, that's got to be a callback to the original series. That feels very much like, you know, when the computers talk in the original series. Yeah. Right. They, they sound just like that. Correct. Correct. Yeah, you did it better than me. <laughs> um. So then we get... Uh... What is the molecular formula of aluminum sulfide crystal? Sure. And he gets it correct because he prints out the actual formula mm-hmm. of what it is, which I – You don't know it off the top of your head. I don't know it. So, <laughs> But the one thing I do find interesting is um, – so when Spock first walks in and we see these computers, mm-hmm. it's almost like a – it's like two panes of glass, and they sort of come up in a like a tent-like. You know, they meet at the top. They yep. spread out. Oh yeah, I didn't. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, it's two panes. Okay. So it's two panes of glass. But the one thing that I noticed is we're looking through the glass at Spock. Yep. And we can read the text, but then they switch to an over-the-shoulder of Spock. He can read the text. So I'm quite curious to know how they manage that. My guess is there's some sort of camera underneath in the pillar that is shining up on the different panes of glass, and therefore it appears correct, whichever way you're looking for. I don't know that for for sure, but I just find it odd that he can read it and then we can read it when we're looking through the glass. So I feel like there's some sort of trick with the glass and the base like shining up into it Mm. so i feel like there's shenanigans there that i'm not i don't understand how it works (laughs) i love a good magic trick um you know like i like uh the movie uh now you see me where they play the trick where the mirror comes down and the rabbit goes away and but it's really just a reflection of the top of the the case so you can't see the rabbit um you just gave it away, man. I haven't seen that yet. It's not, they explain how that trick works, so it's not like I'm giving any information away. Um, so I'm just I, – I find this scene really curious. Obviously, for our benefit, we can read it, but I'm just wondering how 
if this is like a real principled thing where he can see it and we can see it both correct. Do you know what I mean? I, I think so. I th- yeah. Is, is, it, is it intended for somebody to be uh, observing Spock on the other side? Right. Just standing on the other side. And, he, and for convenience, they can read the questions as well. Right. Or is it just something in film for us? Um, yeah, I, I, I did not even pick up on that. The fact that, oh, yeah, I can, I can read it on, in both directions. Um, so good eye. So, yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I like the uh, the keypad is a little um, not what I expected. Yeah, doesn't no. It like, doesn't look like yeah. it has enough inputs. Well, since neither you or I can read Vulcan, <laughs> um, which, again, is another, curious, is another curious thing, is that the buttons have, like, these symbols on them. And, yeah, it's it's not like an alphanumeric QWERTY keyboard. Um, it's like these two inputs that have slides. and But we're reading the, the questions in English, not Vulcan. Right. And we're hearing it in English, not Vulcan. Again, I know for the sake of the movies, they do a lot of – obviously, we met – you know, Ambassador Kamarag, he doesn't speak Klingon, he speaks English. Yeah, yeah. Spock always has spoken English in the in the show, so why would they start doing Vulcan now? And I think I, I'm in my mind I'm fast forwarding to Discovery where majority of the Klingon language is in Klingon in the show. And my, and so I, yeah. Jury's still I, up for me on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, but whew. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, I've never noticed, uh, before, but going back to the, the, the keyboard, I can't, I, I couldn't quite figure out where it is, but it, like, it looks like it's floating in space, but I think it's actually, I think those two pieces of, let's say glass that he's typing on, I think they actually mm-hmm. like are just, they slid out of the, the station he's standing in front of. Oh, is that, is that your read on it? Yeah. I thought it was just part of the whole structure. Yeah. But. I think it's I think it's really cool that it looks like it's floating in space. Yeah, it's a so we're saying thumbs up. So I think is what we're both saying. Yes. Oh yeah. Definitely thumbs up. Yeah. It's too bad. I, I know we'll be able to talk about it more next minute because there's there's a there's a few more questions and. Mm. Um, but yeah, totally totally fun concept and uh, um, I do like that they didn't abandon it and they just expanded on it <clears throat> in other in other uh, other Star Treks. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Right, yeah. All right. Um, what else do we have going on? This That's it, right? It ends in the middle of the test. The, the, it does. The it's computer just, starts yep. giving a giving a, a 3D chess move, calling out a 3D chess move to Spock, and, yep. and it gets cut off. So um, should, we, uh, should we cut off as well? I believe so. I don't have any further for this minute, so. Okay. I'm good. Right. I'm good. All right. Well, it's Friday then. Friday is the day we uh, we thank our patrons. And uh, um, if you haven't become a patron yet, uh, you can head on out to patreon.com slash Star Trek Minute and uh, um, uh, sign up to support the show. Um, uh, in, in, in return, and in thanks for your support, we've got uh, some uh, some cool rewards that we uh we give out right we've got uh we've got stickers we've got um raffles um and uh 
and we also uh, have thank yous to give out. So we uh, we are going to be thanking our patrons uh, every Friday on the show. Um, so without further ado, uh, would you like me to read the names, Dave, or would you like to do it? All you, man. All me. All right. Uh, we're going to thank our our first two members, uh, our first two patrons, uh, Giraffe Bear. I uh, love that name. That's a cool name. And uh, <laughs> and uh, 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 Vibrant Visionaries, uh, uh, Heidi Bennett and Vibrant Visionaries, which is another uh, 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 podcast. Um, so thank you all. Uh, thank you for your support. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, helps uh, all your all your donations uh, help keep the lights on here at Star Trek Minute and uh, and I think there's some I think you, the you guys get some cool I think we got some cool cool benefits I don't know about you Dave I mean yeah definitely I, I kind of wish I was a patron um, maybe I will can I be a patron of our sure own? <laughs> I want Why a sticker not? yeah <laughs> I know you I know you're pretty stingy with the stickers you don't just give them away um, can't just give those away no gotta be gotta be a patron right patron Patreon or Patreon? You got a patron. Patron. Patron at Patreon. There you go. Right. That's hard to. That that doesn't roll off the tongue easily. It does not. So yeah. So if you want to see what it's all about, head out to Patreon.com/slash Star Trek Minute. Please and thank you. And uh, we're going to be back again next week, uh, starting with Minute Ten of Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. Here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.